What's up, everybody? Thank you very much for joining me for another episode of The Deep Dive. Before we get started, I just want to tell you about a really cool offer that I have that is completely free. I have recently been thinking about just how blessed I feel, um, how much life has been providing for me in such a beautiful way. And I had this really powerful moment at the farmer's market where I realized that while I can walk around and, and buy the things that I want to buy, all the fresh produce and, and stuff, there are people who have to really, really think about what to spend their few dollars they have on. Um, if they want that piece of fruit or that loaf of bread, they have to be really, really careful about how they spend their money. And that hit me really powerfully uh, the other day. And I said, well, what I want to do is put out something for that person. I want to put something out that requires absolutely no financial investment. And one of the big reasons why coaches don't do that as often as I know some people would like is because the the money is just energy. And so the financial investment on the part of someone who's, who's paying you for coaching or paying to join the, the call like webinar, that person is invested energetically into the experience. And that's incredibly important. And with that said, I recognize that even though when you offer something for free, a lot of times people are not energetically invested and may not take it seriously and may not get as much out of it. My hope is that at least 10 or 20% of the people who participate may be people who just wouldn't have been able to financially invest. And so they are taking this opportunity to feel like they can get powerful information to shift their lives in a dramatic way and are actually invested in it. I'm, I'm committed to that. And so I hope you're one of those people. And even if you are someone who's financially investing in your development and your self-growth, uh, feel free to take advantage of this completely free offering. It's called Everything is Energy. It's a one-hour online video call, webinar, whatever you want to call it. And it is Wednesday, April 12th at 1 p.m. Pacific. And I'm calling it Everything is Energy because, one, well, everything is energy. And while science is, has proven that, um, I mean it in kind of the woo-woo sense. And I know it's something that people may hear and not fully comprehend how that changes anything for their lives. And so I really wanted to create a platform in which I can talk about health, wealth, and relationships and dissect the different ways in which knowing that everything is energy has a dramatic impact on what you can create for yourself in those three areas, health, wealth, and relationships. So if you want to be a part of this this event completely free, go to my website 
adamrella.com and the upcoming section has the information as well as a very small form where you can fill out you know your name and email and it will send you a free link that you can click on to join the zoom call on April 12th okay so I hope you take advantage of that and then as for today's guest today's guest is Ronnie Landis he is an integrative nutritionist and a human health specialist and he has written a book he's actually written his second book um, but his first one he he brought over at the B when he arrived to do this podcast and um, it's called a guide to health and lifestyle transformation and a lot of times when people tell me they've written a book it's usually uh, an ebook or uh, you know like a hundred page thing it's their first book so they want to make it easy to read easily digestible um, Ronnie showed up with this book which is almost 500 pages of amazingly dense and powerful and impactful information about health and lifestyle and food and how to really transform your well-being because you know being free of disease does not mean you are healthy. Optimal nutrition is so much more than that. And it's something that's been showing up a lot in my life recently. And if you follow me at all, you know that uh, I just did a liver flush. So health and all the different things uh, is heavy on my mind. And so I was really excited to be able to dive deep with, with Ronnie. And I hope that through my what's been going on in the collective and, and through my own posts, you are taking a, a real close look at your own health and, and nutrition, and you will get a lot out of this podcast. So without further ado, Ronnie Landis. So let's dive deep. Let's do it. The only thing I know is that I don't know anything. Are you really ready to look at yourself? You are seen, you are heard, you are loved. What's up, Deep Divers? Thank you for joining me for another episode of The Deep Dive. I am Adam Roa. Sitting across from me, Ronnie Landis. What's up, dude? Doing amazing. <laughs> Enjoying this view. Yeah. You have an epic view over overseeing the Cardiff Ocean, overseeing all of Del Mar. I never really seen this view quite like this, so thank I'm you, enjoying man. This. Yeah, no, it's 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 a wonderful, and we like to sit out there and and do uh, you know sunsets. I think at a certain point of the year, we'll actually get to see the sun. Right now, it's kind of setting over uh -huh. there where we can't see it. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. It's the the ocean feels like. Uh, it refreshes just it, like seeing the ocean does something to me. Mm. I just feel more zen. Well, you just came from Venice, right? Santa Monica. Yeah. Santa Monica. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, I know that area very well. Yeah, not not with an ocean view though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's a little bit of a different ocean, anyway. Different so. ocean. It's, it just feels different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a big ocean guy? Huge. I, I came here from Kauai. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, so Hawaii is like my second home, or actually, it's probably like my first home, and this is my second home at okay. the moment. How long have you been here? Um, I've been here for about seven months. I want to say seven or eight months. Oh, and it already feels like a second home. 
Yeah, well, Kauai is in my heart. You know, yeah. that's where like my that's where my soul resides. That's where my spirit is. Like the, that whole island and the whole Hawaiian chain and the culture there, the Polynesian culture and um, Kauai in particular. There's a such a rich energy or a mana, if you will, like mm. in the soil, in the, the the culture among the people, the spirit there. Are you are you uh, familiar then with Huna? Absolutely. Have you done a deep dive into? into Huna philosophy? Or, um, I, I've, I've, I've skimmed. I've okay. skimmed. I have a few friends, very close friends of mine that are, um, that are Kumus, so spiritual teachers, and then a few friends that, are, that, are, that have grown up. They're, they're Hawaiian. And so um, for people who are listening, they're yeah. like, what is Huna? Huna is, is basically like an ancient Hawaiian mysticism, yeah. spiritual mm-hmm. philosophy, um, which is, is, I really resonate with, actually. Yeah. I think one of the most interesting things that I was taught about Huna is that they felt like um, success in this world, not necessarily material success in the way like you had it, but the ability to make it, the ability Mm. to like, so if you decide you don't want it, that's one thing, but the ability to have financial success was a part of your spiritual evolution because it showed mastery over the essentially the flow of energy Mm -hmm. in this physical realm and i thought that's fascinating i think that's a great definition for what real success is Mm -hmm. we often because of the materialism that has spirits stripped out of it um in our world there's a mis misinterpretation or misunderstanding of what real true success is, which which is tied to fulfillment, right? Like when we're making a real contribution, we're making a positive impact in people's lives, and that creates a ripple effect into making an impact on the planet. I think that's what real success is, and that's not that that has to do with prosperity, right? Like that mm-hmm. doesn't have to do with with negating abundance or foregoing abundance, as if money or something is some kind of evil it's actually that that perspective i believe is actually um an hijacking of spirituality right by certain beings or or certain organizations that wanted to keep people small it's it's one of the biggest things that uh and and it's a part of everything that i talk about as as a coach really is this Mm -hmm. recognition that money is not evil and this saying money is the root of all evil has penetrated the collective consciousness so deeply and quite honestly, perpetuated by incredibly wealthy people yes. who want us not to have money. Isn't that, so that funny? We can't have, <laughs> if, it's, if you just see it as energy, like they don't want everyone to find the power of being able to cultivate energy um, because then they lose their perceived you know, right. elite status. So they're using like what we might perceive as black magic, but it's really mm-hmm. like a wizard in Oz kind of smoke and mirror show that's really what Mm -hmm. they're using where we actually have magical superpowers and i think those beings whatever you might want to call them are threatened by that Mm. so there's all this cosmetic spirituality or cosmetic materialism to distract us from accessing our dormant superhero powers which i think is what your work's about it's definitely what mine's about and it's unavoidable at this point yeah it's just a matter of you know when and and just recognizing that your your relationship to money yeah. is your relationship to everything you want like because money <laughs> money is just bridge. energy money is a representation of so many things money can mm. represent 
freedom, yeah. adventure, prosperity, abundance, security, like it can represent that. So if you just have a unhealthy relationship to money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it would not surprise me if, I, I would be shocked to find someone who has a really unhealthy relationship to money, like really unhealthy, that doesn't have other areas of their life that are reflecting back to them a really, um, let's say, a scarcity mindset For or sure. unhealthy mindset. Yeah, I think there's an interesting correlation between our relationship with money and our relationship with the opposite sex. There's mm. a very fascinating um, intertwining that I've noticed. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what the particular I think it's different for everyone but it is a relationship nonetheless so it's and it doesn't matter for male or female just I, I think I, I don't know that it matters I don't think it does I think because we're you know as men we're fundamentally female right mm. as a seed we start out as a female and then we we are genetically altered into a male zygote so right. it happens late after yeah after yeah after a certain point in the conception right. process so there is an interesting thing where i think as a as a if we take it away from money but we look at prosperity prosperity is um it has a masculine kind of impulse to get things into momentum but it's i think it's fundamentally feminine in the the creative aspect of it in mm-hmm. the abundant the abundant aspect of it mm-hmm. and so i think for men maybe it's because of the conditioning a lot of us men are conditioned to to um, reference our self worth or our value based on accumulating external resources and in, in things and mm-hmm. money. So are we we make our, our value is oftentimes in relation to our bank account. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a part of that conditioning for men and a lot of men because they they haven't been guided to do the fundamental internal alchemy. Um, you know, you know, know thyself and really loving themselves. Yeah. Um, a lot of times they try to buy women's respect or women's attention. Well, it's if you break it down to even just look at the biology of it, mm-hmm. you have you have money, which represents a house. It represents right. Right. Uh, a car. It represents heat. Safe it represents it, food. It yeah. represents all of those mm-hmm. things. That, that biologically, as human beings, we're like, I should have, I should want as much of that as possible. Right. It's all the things that Keep make me, me safe. safe and, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and then from the female standpoint, you have a man who has a lot of that yep. is a better provider, like right. biologically mm-hmm. a better provider. And therefore, that should be who I try to procreate with, who I should yep. be with. And so there is an aspect of our biology yep. that's so wrapped up that you almost have to consciously be aware of and and transcend yep. with your own choices. Well that's that's exactly where I was I was thinking about is that there's the biological impulse and then we, just like all the great sages out of history, there are unique individuals that got caught a glimpse of their potential and a transcendent kind of quality where they were able to transcend through consciousness and through discipline and and activity override that biological impulse and i think that's the game we're playing now is that we have every bit of spiritual information health information um of science of really actually every piece of information whatever category available in ways that never existed before we are the safest we've ever been in human history and it's kind of like um i think tony robbins said it we're swimming in information but we're drowning for wisdom Hmm. 
right? So there's that side of it too, where like we have all the information, but a lot of times we're still in biological imperatives. We're still kind of caught in that Mm -hmm. and acting out of like even self-sabotage mechanisms, which is a whole nother subject. But I think we have the opportunity to transcend through wisdom. Well, I I always wonder with self-sabotage mechanisms, is that... That must be a developed thing, right? Like, I, I, like yeah. that's not that's not like if you think of early human who's just biologically in fight or flight mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and looking for food and trying to accumulate as much, um, you know, being drawn to sweet things because of a higher caloric content, like all of these right. things of the early human. I feel like self sabotage couldn't have been one of those things. That must no, be right? this yeah. thing that we developed yeah. later on. I think we have the uh, we have. Um, Oh, I, you know, one of the things I said recently in a lecture or something was that comfort will kill you. It's like we actually have the, the luxury of being bored. We have the luxury to actually complain. But this is a very recent kind of thing is we didn't really have the luxury to, to complain about things. Mm-hmm. We were subject to our circumstances. In fact, from a, from a nutrition perspective, we didn't even have the luxury to choose a diet. So we can be vegan or vegetarian or paleo or whatever we want. We can play around in whatever kind of avenue where our ancestors were subject to their circumstances. And it was mostly survival. And that's so so fascinating when it comes to like paleo diet, right? right or yeah. these things where you're like, they were just trying to eat what they could, right? right? Um, the idea that it was optimal yeah, right. is yeah, not... Yeah, yeah. not like so I, I view I view it as okay, science is great and technology and, and, and these advancements are fantastic because it also allows us to um, develop a more ideal diet for us, mm-hmm. a more ideal mm-hmm. way of, of living. Yeah. And we have up until very recently with we were extending life expectancy. Yeah, we were continually doing it and doing it, and I think wasn't it this generation where that reversed for the very first? Yeah, time? yeah. So, so apparently, um, and I'm I'm sure it's spot on that our parents actually for the first time, like millennials, our parents basically have a higher life expectancy than their children. Mm. They're expected to outlive their children, and and so that one stat like that. Let's you know, okay, we were on the right track. Mm-hmm. Something shifted. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. shifted? Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it's fast food yeah. and highly, pro- just let's just say highly yeah. processed Absolutely. foods. Absolutely. That one shift has caused, like, so all of the high, so, you know, um, high fructose corn syrup and then, like, really refined breads and, like, mm-hmm. all of this stuff, mm-hmm. um, which, which is a great transition point because you, have a, your second book right that that's coming out and so your first book is called what's the title of it the holistic health mastery program and you showed up with you you <laughs> brought me it as as a gift and it is like i was expecting most people's first book i feel like it's like you know like a hundred pages mm-hmm. small mm-hmm. format this is like a full i wanted to get the i wanted to get the foundation book. laid first mm. that's my thinking that's that's awesome and so I love that you're on... What's the name of your second book? The Inner Alchemy Youthening Program. The Inner Alchemy Youthening Program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I love about the fact that you're here in, in total synchronicity is I just drove up to LA. You know this because the commitment podcast. You yes, listen to yes, me. yes. But I just totally. drove up to LA <laughs> yesterday morning and drove back this morning for the 
fourth time. Oh, that just happened. Yeah, yeah, this oh, wow. morning. Um, I'm running on about four hours of sleep. The, the uh, <laughs> where was I going? That four hours of sleep right there. No, so um, on the drive, I was listening to podcasts. I just, when I drive, I listen to podcasts. And yeah. all that driving this week, and so much of it has been uh, food and nutrition. Mm. And so I love that you're sitting across from me because I have one question that has Mm -hmm. one main one that is really on the top of my mind which is uh i was listening to a the joe rogan podcast Mm -hmm. with gary tobbs and he's coming out with this book the case against sugar which for those of you who don't know the sugar industry bribed scientists paid them off to release false data saying that uh fat was the enemy and fat was causing all this stuff and so that's when you started to get these low fat diets mm-hmm. and and people replaced butter with margarine and like all this stuff mm-hmm. and really it was sugar that was doing all the shit yeah. to everybody so i am now committed to cutting out even more sugar than i have mm-hmm. previously mm-hmm. here's my question yeah yeah long-winded question is I want to know how this applies to fruit sugars. Oh, cool. Because yeah. like the, my, I can cut out sugar, refined sugar. I yeah. get, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I've heard a stat that you're supposed to have um, 25 grams or less of sugar on like a normal 2000 calorie diet per day. So 25 grams or less of sugar is the number that's been thrown mm-hmm. out. And then I think about like in the morning, I like to have a smoothie and in mm-hmm. my smoothie, I will throw in a banana and I will throw in some blueberries and then like one date. And I'm like, that's a lot. There's there's a lot of grams of sugar that I just mm-hmm. put into this mm-hmm. blender. Is mm-hmm. that bad? It's great. That's a great question. I um, there's a few things that come up for me in everything that you said. So let me just take it back real quick to this whole fat, this whole fat subject. Yeah, as, a, as kind of for a, a long time. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really important that people get this. So in the 1930s there was a huge onset of heart disease and scientists or researchers, doctors, they couldn't quite figure out what it was. And then eventually they just decided that it was cholesterol and it was saturated fat. So then what they created was the lipid hypothesis, which is basically the the theory, the hypothesis that fat or cholesterol clogs your arteries. Now we know now that that is totally... Um, there's a little bit of truth to it when it comes to like oxidized rancid animal fats and trans fatty acids and vegetable oils and that kind of thing. Types of fats that are volatile and when you cook them, they go rancid and they, they can clog the arteries for sure. Mm-hmm. But the whole hypothesis just was pretty much like category, categorizing fat and then it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And coincidentally, that was the same time when white flour, white sugar, white rice, white bread got introduced into our our industrial eras right around the 1920s, 1930s. And you may have remembered a gentleman named Weston A. Price. Mm-mm. So Dr. Weston A. Price is one of the world's most famous dentists. And basically what his work was all about was he noticed at that time that there was increased rate of cavitations and dental issues upon the introduction of those four 
mm. um, artificial food groups, those white food groups, um, processed food in general. Like literally around that, that point in time is when all these dental issues started to happen. And he's like, wow, you know, he's trying to figure out why that happened. So he traveled all around the world, met with indigenous aboriginal cultures, and he found out that none of these cultures that lived as closest to nature, and they're pretty much secluded from industrial society, there was probably 1% of, of that whole, the populations that he studied that had any kind of cavitations or dental issues whatsoever. They didn't brush their teeth. They, they didn't have, um, and they didn't eat processed food, obviously. They were eating what they would consider a natural diet. So that's, that's kind of a little segue into this conversation, a little bit of a back, backstory. So we've been kind of fighting this whole fat this fat phobia thing for almost a hundred years. And I mean, the bad one I, to just make people aware is yeah. trans fats. Yeah. Like, trans fats are terrible yeah. and they're actually, uh, they've been banned although they're, so in the United States, they're literally trans fats are now banned, yeah. but they have three years to get them off the market. So, until 2018, it's basically like they are going to push it as hard as yeah, they possibly exactly. can to yeah. get all their storage mm -hmm. of it out yeah. and sold, um, knowing that it's killing you. Like, yes. it, it, trans fat is awful, so awful that the U.S. finally banned it, mm -hmm. and um, so don't eat it. And everyone. those, and those, <laughs> and those types of fats. What we're talking about is like vegetable oils. We're talking Crisco and margarine, right? And, like mm, fake oils, fake soybean butter. oil, fake butter, like margarine, mm. right? Like the, all that kind of all that stuff that's been sold to us. It basically like caramelizes the lining of our arteries, and then that that also binds with sugar crystals, mm. and then that creates more of a um, uh, combination of yeah, the two. The combination yeah. of the two. Yeah, yeah. So. Back to so to your question is fruit sugar bad? No. However, there there's distinctions like anything. So it depends on the the situation. It depends on someone's constitution. Some people have um, sugar metabolism issues, carbohydrate metabolism issues. So this could be. I mean, there's there's a lot of distinctions to a question like that. So well, let's put it specifically since yeah. it's my podcast and I can ask for myself. Sure, sure. Is like. 25 grams of sugar a day is the recommendation. I, I, right? I'll be honest with you. I don't, I no longer really think in terms of, of those type of boxes, okay. like this amount of grams of protein or, or like macronutrient kind of focused. Right. My thing is that if you're covering your bases from a mineral perspective, you have a wide assortment of minerals in your diet. That's the number one thing with all of nutrition mm -hmm. is actually it starts with minerals. And if you have all the minerals in your body, your blood sugar is going to be naturally balanced. So you're not going to be subject to chaotic kind of blood sugar fluctuations. So if you have sugar coming into your system, your pancreas can produce the right kind of insulin. It's not going to have an issue transporting that into the receptors for, for energy, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Diabetes is largely a mineral deficiency. You know, just to put that out there. So that's kind of I, I have to I have to say that first. Okay. And then from that perspective, my question to you would be, how do you feel? I I feel like my morning smoothies are uh, one of the biggest like acts of love for mm -hmm. myself. Like mm -hmm. I prepare this thing, I put in my like. To, I'm gonna just go through the ingredients because it's like an intense thing. I put in like maca powder, yeah. super greens, hydrilla. Um, 
also like three different powders, mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. a vegan protein if, if I've, I feel like I'm going to work out or, or do something active. Mm-hmm. And then um, a banana, some blueberries, maybe a couple like frozen blueberries, frozen, maybe frozen peaches, but then like one date and um, then peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And then I use like coconut milk and ice, right? Yeah. And all of that, I know there's a lot of grams of sugar and they're naturally occurring sugars. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, did I just like blow my load on this smoothie? Like, should I not have any more sugar? It depends on your goal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's a good perspective to say is that each person needs to figure out what their goal is. A lot of people get into diets and nutrition, but don't really have a goal associated with it. Is optimal health not a goal? Is that... It's a goal, but it can be too general. Okay. You know, like, what does that mean? Does that mean in terms of fitness? Does that mean in terms of, like, cognition? What about, like, life longevity? Life longevity, yeah. Um, again, like, so food is fuel, right? Yeah. So what are you fueling? It, what kind of activities are you looking to maximize? Got it. You know, if you're going to go work out, then that might be the right thing you need right now. Right. If you're not, if you're going to be more sedentary, more on the computer or something like that, then I'd say probably lower on the sugar is probably better. Yeah. And I'd say that you, you can experiment with it. Like that's the best teacher, right? Your own experience. So maybe experiment with cutting back on the sugar. Like what I do, I don't even put any real sugar besides maybe some coconut water into my smoothies nowadays. What kind of smoothie do you do? Um, So my smoothie will look something like, it'll either be like a nut milk kind of base or it'll sometimes be a coconut water base and I'll put in, you know, like soaked chia seeds. Yeah. And that'll be really good for my protein and fiber and fatty acids. But then it, it, it thickens the drink up. So then I don't need bananas. I don't really do bananas anymore anyways. Yeah. But it thickens my drink up. So now I'm not relying on, on bananas or something to thicken up the drink. I'll put in maca. I'll put in cacao. I'll put in... Uh, what a great thing. I love aloe vera gel. Okay. It's a fan favorite for me. Really? Yeah. Like the kind that comes that you would put on a sunburn? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it has a similar internal effect. Oh. So aloe vera, aloe vera is one of the great, great medicines. It's it's definitely an alchemical substance. Oh. Yeah, and that's a whole that's a whole thing that we could kind of riff on too. But so so I mean the way that that these naturally occurring sugars happen mm-hmm. in the body is it's having a different effect. Yeah, so, like so if you have like, if you have a whole fruit, for example, the thing that slows down the transmission of sugar is the fiber. Mm-hmm. So a whole fruit is different than a juiced fruit. I would never recommend people do ju- like fruit juice, like apple juice even. Some things, or like orange juice can be good. Some little apple juice for some people can be good, but really, it's the fiber that slows down the sugar in your metabolism, which is what makes it work. I was doing a pressed juice. There was a, a time where I was doing a pressed juice probably like four or five times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always like it did have some. Uh, so I would get the one with like uh, coconut or like maybe lemon, cayenne, and ginger with like uh orange or like those sorts of things. So it was usually more Mm fruit-based and I always loved ginger and cayenne in it, like the spicy. But I finally, one day I looked and it was, so it was, now I remember it was pineapple, lemon, ginger, and cayenne, Mm -hmm. I think. It was something like that. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the, it was like 32 grams of sugar. 
in that juice. And I realized yeah. this has more sugar in it than a can of Coke. Totally. It is, it is so sugary. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? And that's when I was on that sugar thing. But then I was like, well, it's fruit. It's fruit right, sugar. Right, right. But it doesn't have the fiber. And so it doesn't have the fiber. So it's immediately, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, there's nothing to slow it down in the system. So mm-hmm. that's when we can have insulin issues. Um, and every, and another thing I want to say about that too is everyone's metabolism is a little bit different. There's a great book in like the 50s or 60s called um, Biochemical Individuality. One of my mentors, Gabriel Cousins, um, talks about this a lot, which is, is that each person has a unique metabolic signature. So some people are fast oxidizers, some people are slow oxidizers, which means the rate in which you metabolize food for energy. So what that means is that some people are going to be more fat dominant metabolic types. They're going to produce more energy on, on higher fat foods, which are the people that do really good on a ketogenic type of diet. Mm. And they can burn, they can, they can have smaller amounts of food and burn it longer throughout the day, where some people are slow oxidizers, meaning that they actually need a certain amount of carbohydrates and they burn that more efficiently. That's, mm. that's something that um, Melinda and I talk about all the time because what feels natural to me yes. is big meals Mm -hmm. and not really snacking in between yeah she's a grazer Mm -hmm. all day long Mm -hmm. and then you hear these things well what you really should be doing is five or six small meals (laughs) right like these rules because these these rules coming coming from the personal training world there was Mm -hmm. like you'd latched on to the newest like rule right and um and then for for me i was raised uh my dad's asian and so i was raised on white rice mm-hmm. white rice was mm-hmm. at every meal it didn't matter like even if it wasn't the primary Man, thing i like grew up have, with white rice dude, yeah, all day white, long yeah so white rice i feel like my body metabolizes carbs so well mm-hmm. i don't mm-hmm. feel bad when i yeah. don't have carbs i actually my body i feel a noticeable difference that i can't say is super pleasant Mm. when I go long enough without carbs. Yeah. And yeah. so we get back and forth because she tries to avoid. So like we'll, if we go and have sushi, for example, mm-hmm. she will take like the rice off. Like she'll really take the rice off the roll. Yeah. And that, that, I want that rice. You want and that. That's yeah, what yeah, fills yeah. Me up. Yeah. Um, and hearing about carbohydrates, to, listening to these podcasts and recognizing that carbs are also not really, in general, I feel like carbs aren't good for you. You can... Yeah. If you follow well, most that of, rule, most of the carbs that that people have consumed are processed carbs, right? right. Like pastas and pastas lasagna and, and pizza and breads and very hybridized and genetically modified Monsanto breads. Yeah, Monsanto bread, <laughs> totally. So people have an overwhelming amount of like leaky gut syndromes and acid reflux and these digestive issues and autoimmune issues. So one of the disclaimers that I try to get across to people is like, hey, like there are general rules and then there's like nuances and in our thinking especially in the western world we're very we generalize things right like uh, albert einstein had a great quote which was don't make things more complicated than they need to be and don't make things more simple than they should be Mm -hmm. there's like a golden meme in between being sophisticated about the generalities and then also realizing like, hey, you know what, maybe we don't need to go as myopic into like 
every little tiny thing. So mm-hmm. there's some kind of balance there. So what do you feel are like the general rules that you would advise? Sure. Okay. Great question. So my general, my general um, guidelines are that everybody, I believe, especially at this day and age, will do really good by incorporating more living plant food into their lifestyle. And when you say living, meaning uncooked? Uncooked, yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about like fruits, vegetables, like raw soaked nuts and seeds, fermented foods, sprouts, um, flowers are amazing. Now, when it comes to nuts, Mm -hmm. um, going to like whole foods or sprouts, I always get the sprouted nuts now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what you mean, like soaked. You say like soaked, soaked in, yeah, soaked sprouted in, and then means that's, they've yeah. already done it. They've, yeah, they've sprout. Yeah, they've already gone through that that germination process, which makes it easier to digest. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the things about that too is, is there's kind of booby traps, right? We have to like be aware of certain booby traps. Yeah. One of the booby traps is that if you go to Whole Foods and you just snack out of the nut aisle, those nuts a are probably not soaked and sprouted. And they've been traveling many, many, you know, hundreds of miles potentially. And they've been sitting in that that open bulk oxygen container. air bulk, you know, fermentation bacteria cesspool, if you will. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? you're ruining all of my, my sprouted nuts that I thought well, were so, so good well, for me. Well, so, oh, I, I know you're talking about those living, um, the living intentions ones, right? No, I'm talking about what the bulk thing. No, the bulk, but the... But they but, say like sprouted goji mix. Oh, yeah, no, the, right? no, that, yeah. So the, those are probably legit. What those are, those are prepackaged, um, already sprouted nuts yeah. and seed mixes. Basically, I don't want to, I, I have, I have to be particular with my time yeah, yeah. and what I'm doing. Yeah. And I like make my own kale chips and yeah, my own yeah. bone broth yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But sprouting my own nuts is just, I just don't want to do it. And so yeah. I'm going to, I'm like, okay, spr- I only look at the sprouted mixes. Mm-hmm. I no longer look at any of the other ones. Yeah. My favorite used to be that blueberry blaze. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? It has like the white chocolate yeah. and the, oh mm-hmm. God, it was so good. Yeah. But now I only do the sprouted mixes mm-hmm. and the low sugar ones. No, th- those are good. I know what, I know what you're talking about. Okay. I'm, I'm speaking specifically of like when you go and you see the almonds or the cashews or the, the walnuts or stuff like yeah. that, those individual, um, nuts, those are really what I'm talking about. Those ones that you're talking about are from a company called living intentions, okay. which they take in bulk and those are already pre pre-sealed and everything and they just unload those um upon putting into the 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 bin right so those those are those are okay fine. yeah yeah yeah. i was like nah you can't take those away from me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so okay so so rule number one that you would advise basically everyone yeah. as a general rule is to to get more living yeah and, and i want to even go even more on that even more what people need is they need green leafy vegetables mm-hmm. in their diet they need more chlorophyll, which is what comes from it's the, the plant blood. Um, they need more green vegetable juicing. So I'm talking about alkaline foods and, and liquids. So, so if somebody can incorporate more living foods in the form of like low sugar, like berries, like berry type of fruits, low semi-sugary fruits, like berries are really amazing. Mm-hmm. And then adding in more vegetables just that right there like a salad a day keeps acidosis away so that's really great and then one green vegetable a day one green vegetable juice a day that right there will will sort somebody out and then from there like that what what i've noticed is that when you just get that going your your kind of intuitarianism your intuitive 
guidance about these things start to kick on. So do you not feel like um, with with the fruit juices, you don't have the fiber to slow it down, right? Is the fiber not beneficial from the vegetable juices? It, it like, is beneficial, and you can, you can um, if you're juicing yourself, you can take that fiber and put in a dehydrator and then make like crackers out of it. People do that. Huh. Um, or, or just take it in... Um, um, you can omit that fiber too because from the salad you're getting the fiber which acts like a drawing agent through your digestive tract and it's a detoxifier which is great um, however green vegetable juicing is amazing too because it's like literally like chlorophyll oxygen and alkaline minerals going straight into your blood without the sugar hmm. you know if somebody does anything any kind they need a little bit of sweet to get into it like one green apple like an apple that's in there yeah, so yeah. i see that's the most common one you'll yeah. get like apple and spinach and parsley and kale and yeah. lemon and yeah but i um, you know what i recommend people do to even upgrade it because i'm into like the upgrade you know that that's mm -hmm. like what i'm talking about is like 40 years ago yeah. and it's still it's still great now but if somebody gets into green juicing i say do your green juice you know like cucumber and celery base and then add one tablespoon of either spirulina or, or chlorella to it mm -hmm. and mix that up. And now you have a super green juice. Wow. Okay. Um, so what would be rule number two then? Mm, hydration. Okay. So the very first thing that this is probably the most important thing really is that a lot of times we think we're hungry, but we're actually thirsty. And there was a great book about this. Your body's many cries for water. And that book basically details that most of the time when people think that they're hungry, their body is actually dehydrated. Hmm. And so, but, the, but we don't necessarily, we didn't grow up really with that education. And so the water that most people are drinking, like tap water, terrible. it's terrible. It's, it's drinking, actually dehydrating you more. Oh, and the chemicals that then yeah. become like stones that you have to liver flush Exa out. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, stones in your brain, stones in your liver, oh. your kidneys. Yeah, it's um, water. We, we got on the water train probably... Like I thought about buying a Kangen water mm -hmm. machine for a while. And then I was like, ah, oh, I'd heard peop some people being like, listen, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. You yeah. can't. You can't alkalize your body through water, like it's like all these different things. And then finally, we just started saying, well, at the very least, we need to get like really purified yeah. water. Mm -hmm. Now we have a re reverse osmosis mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's mission critical. That's number one. And so, without going into a huge thing on water, what I say is that drink one liter of water in the morning before you do anything. One liter of water. One, one liter, yeah. That's a lot of water in the morning. And that's a, that's a normal that's a normal amount of water. I'd, I'd heard that um, the body can only, uh, what's the, I'm, I'm mis blanking on the word, but the, the water can only actually absorb mm -hmm. um, a certain amount of water every like 30 minutes. So yeah, chugging I, I, water I, is like ineffective. Well, yeah, and I'm not really talking about chugging it. I'm just right. talking about just swishing it in your mouth. Okay. And it actually it actually encodes with your saliva and, and becomes part of you. Um, I don't I don't really not convinced on any of those kind of things. I think really what it depends on is the quality of water, and one's own capacity to take it in. So when Some you're so, are better at just yeah, like I, I mean I drink I'm a, I'm a spring water alcoholic. So like I can I can actually what I do is I just fast for six hours in the day usually now on just water. 
I don't do any break, break fast. I don't do any breakfast or, or anything. I, I pretty much push it out till 12 or 1 or whatever. So you wake up and you just do water until lunchtime? Pretty much, yeah. Or, or later, some days I just keep going. I just right. like to keep pushing it as far as how, I can. Have you done long-term fasting? Oh, yeah. How, what's mm-hmm. the longest you've done? The longest water fast I've ever done is almost a week. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, it's going to be part of my direction as I get older and more, I get more into my spiritual practices. Like, because if you look at every great kind of spiritual, um, uh, religion, but practice or, or teaching fasting was always incorporated in it. like the 40 day, 40 night fast was mm-hmm. always a part of it. And you get into the Essenes and, mm-hmm. and Egyptian, spirituality and alchemy and that kind of thing fasting is always a part of it like the egyptians they would fast on on monoatomic gold yeah because there's there's i just read this article um i think it was on collective evolution about mm-hmm. a dude who's doing a dry fast and i think at the time right. he was doing the dry fast he was at 40 what time he wrote the article he was at like 43 days have you read uh-huh. this article um no i haven't read the article so, so he's talking about how um i mean you have to take certain supplements in mm-hmm. order to keep like your GI tract going and like mm-hmm. just keep mm-hmm. things working so yeah. your yeah. system doesn't shut down because yeah. that's the thing that would like mm-hmm. essentially kill you. Yeah. But if your system continues processing, then it, it starts really um, going through all the toxins and fats and all mm-hmm. the stuff mm-hmm. because it, it's got to just break it down. It's got, yeah. And one of the most interesting things that he revealed he shows this really gross picture these two pictures of after day like two weeks in or whatever he releases what look like these tapeworms that mm-hmm. are super long like yep. he, he lays them down on the toilet seat Mute, and they go yeah. a full like halfway around the toilet seat because like, of blacking but he's like i don't know if this is a worm it looks like a worm but he's like i'm not a doctor um i got two colonics done this week for the liver flush one like, mm-hmm. a few days ago one after mm-hmm. and she was saying that she thinks because um, what happens when you, you fast uh, like that, you can have basically like a shakes, snake shedding its skin. Yeah. You can have your whole just like intestines yeah. like release that yeah. whole like outer layer mm-hmm. and get, have a whole new, fresh new one now. So yeah. she thinks that's probably what it actually was. Yeah, um, it's, it's um, mucosa plaque. That's what they. That's okay. that's loosely what they and call it's like that. The kind lining. Of thing. Yeah, it's like the lining. So if you look at your your entire intestines, it's like thirty six feet from your mouth to your anus. Okay. And basically, like over the years, all that that it's called impactions. So all that food residue and the waste products of our own metabolism, after our body can't discharge it, it all gets impacted along the intestinal lining. Mm. And so it just kind of like accumulates layers and layers and layers. And then eventually people have digestive breakdowns or they just get acid reflux is a common one. So is there any way to get rid of that without fastings? Um, well, the, I, you know what? I actually, my experience, like all the years into raw foods and studying the literature over the last like 70 years of pretty much raw food therapy and, and reversing disease reversal, which this is a huge aspect of it. My, my opinion is that you can't bypass the healing process. Hmm. And this is important. It's like spiritual bypassing, reality bypassing, business bypassing, relationship by People are trying to biohack their way through everything. It's like, look, you actually, eventually we're going to have to keep relearning the same lessons 
and are healing our, ourselves through our body, like the indiscretions of, that we've gone through, we got to go through the process. And that may not look like completely like water fasting or dry fasting. I don't think you necessarily have to do that. However, there is going to have to be some kind of abstinent type of approach. Right. And, and just for a lot of people, just getting into a, a high raw food diet for a while and a vegan diet for a while is going to be a big part of abstaining from the things that actually cause the problem. Do you eat meat? I don't eat meat. No. You don't eat no, meat? No, I'm a, I'm a vegetarian from here on out. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you believe that meat is inherently like that's bad for you or do you believe um, it's Well, I think so that I think I think obviously factory farm meat is yes. is an atrocity. I think karmically it is it is I mean it is um we got to get off it. We got to we got to get off that whole kind of thinking and that mm. whole thing quickly. Um and then yeah, I mean it's it's a health disaster. But then, you know, are, are we talking about like grass-fed meat and stuff? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because I still eat meat probably like the numbers I usually put out. Let's say like mm -hmm. every week I'll have one meal that has fish, one yep. meal that has like chicken, yep. and then maybe every two or three weeks I'll have like a red meat. Yeah. Um, and, and this is from someone who if it didn't have some form of meat, I didn't mm. think it was a meal, right? So <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, eating yeah. so, yeah. so much. Totally. And so what's what's interesting for me is I feel like I got to this place where I was I had picked up Panda Express and I was sitting down mm -hmm. at my house mm -hmm. and I was already like I'd I was in the middle of my spiritual awakening. So I was like fully in it and meditating every day and I still was picking up Panda Express on the way home mm. and uh, looking I, I, I put in this DVD of this documentary my friend had recommended me called Earthling <laughs> and I go <laughs> I go and I turn it on and as soon as it starts not knowing what it was about I thought it was going to be like like Planet Earth documentary or something right? yeah but, yeah <laughs> uh, put it in and just go what is this and I have to pause it and like take a moment and I was like I can't eat this while I'm watching right mm. and so I decided the worst thing would be for me to throw it away like mm. if I throw it away then I just like completely wasted this meat and for people who don't know Earthlings is a documentary that covers the five ways that we use animals in today's society yeah. so it covers animals in from a research perspective from pets and sport like circuses and and hunting and and food and mm. and goods mm. like leather mm. and stuff and it's all told through real life hidden camera footage so it's like real stuff yes and um i finished my food put it back on and wow watched it and said i will never eat factory farmed meat wow. but I didn't give up meat completely. Yep. And then I started getting closer and closer to veganism. Mm. I got closer and closer mm. and closer. Mm. I, I gave up dairy mm. uh, because it was just messing. I realized it's inflammatory. It was causing me to break out, like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, should I give up meat altogether? Like mm -hmm. altogether, mm -hmm. do the vegan thing. And I was actually watching Planet Earth at the end, I think I was coming down off some sort of psychedelic and like put it on like as I was going to bed mm -hmm. and I'm watching this this amazing Planet Earth documentary and I realized nature is cruel. Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you die and 
getting hunted, like assuming you shoot your own, hunt your own meat, or even like pasture raised, done in a really humane way, and then killed, that animal dies a much less traumatic death than any death it will die in nature. Oh, that's that's for sure. And so I was like, well, well, then maybe it's just about that. Like maybe I can do high quality meat mm-hmm. from a health perspective. Yeah. Do you feel like meat is it's not beneficial or is it case by case? Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that come up on this, but I'll stick to the stick to that question. So from a health perspective, I think it's going to I think there's variables. I, there's two there's two quotes that come up for me. There's one from the the Vedic scripture, the Ahimsa, which is part of the the um you know, the the eight limb system of yoga and their whole philosophy and the Ahimsa is do no harm to others and do no harm to yourself. Hmm. So it's a, it's a it's a meditation on what it means to live compassionately and peacefully on the earth and yet to live sustainably. And that's just a meditation that I invite everyone to consider. And then there's another quote from um, one of the, the great alchemists of the, the 1500s, Paracelsus, where he says that everything is poison, everything is panacea, it depends on dosage. Hmm. So from that perspective, what I would say to that is if, if you or anyone that... that um, follows that path out then meat should be more of a therapeutic approach it should be more of a condiment Mm -hmm. opposed to a main course and i think that just objectively speaking i think that's where we've completely gone off course is that most people i find most people in the paleo circles are using that to validate gluttony Hmm. and there's a density there's a dense energy that i that i notice in those circles in particular that's like it's like kind of like whoa okay this is like really heavy kind of like um you know what i guess like old jock I mean, energy meat, meat tends to be denser like you it's can very, yeah, feel it when, yeah. when I, if you eat a heavy meat meal yep. um and you're not someone who eats a lot of meat you feel the difference totally um i feel my digestive system struggle if i have too much meat if, mm-hmm. if I because now if I'm doing red meat once every three weeks if I eat red meat like I eat a big burger and then the next day someone else we go to a thing and there's meat there that I also have like I can feel it yep. taking longer mm-hmm. and it just like feels like a rock in my yeah, stomach yeah, yeah. Um, so I know that large quantities of it is definitely yep. not it but I also go through something where there'll be a day where I'm like my body is craving me mm-hmm. like I can feel Feel mm-hmm. that as well, mm-hmm. and so as I've gotten more intuitive with my eating, um, I've gotten more and more firm that like meat is still a part of what's necessary, and it may yeah. also just be this healing process that I'm still absolutely, in. absolutely. And when, when that's over, maybe yeah. I won't desire it. Anymore. Well, I definitely, I definitely, um, I'm not an absolutist or was an abolish, abolish. What's the word? Um, absolutist works. Absolutist works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not one of those people that that I don't want to impose my own values on people. Mm-hmm. I think everybody needs to come to terms with what feels correct for them. However, in saying that. We need to be honest with ourselves about what actually is correct for us, right? And where are we coming from? Me personally, I am coming from a philosophical approach. I am coming from my own proclivity of spirituality and what that means to me and and not wanting to perpetuate what I believe to be a karmic cycle. That may not be the same for someone else and I accept that. 
And also with that said, I know the path that it took me to get here too. So what's the, what's your, the spiritual perspective that you take that's mm-hmm. caused you to stop eating meat? Uh, well, I don't, I don't really want to take life if I don't have to. Okay. I, I don't want to, um, I, I realize that we live in an age of opulent abundance where we can choose any reality subset that we want and we can choose, we can create our own lifestyle. And I do believe that my thoughts and beliefs around it have a humongous effect on what I need to nourish myself. So then you classify um, the the type of living being that the mm-hmm. animals are different from the type of living being that plants are. Oh, absolutely, and that's okay. just part of like sentience, right? Like I don't want I don't want to eat a sentient creature. Well, that's the that's the question because the, with more and more research coming out, mm-hmm. it's becoming more and more clear that. That plants and and yeah. are sentient. In- well, well, the is sentient in a sense. Um, I think. Um, I think though to to, you know, like okay, fine. Let's take it from that perspective too. Then you know, plants have consciousness. We know that from mm-hmm. the old Cleve Baxter experiments. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a great pain, book right? on that. You yeah. know, the secret life of plants. Yeah, you know, so. That that is true. And when you eat an, when you eat a cow, for example, that cow ate the plants. So it's kind of like, where do you want to okay. be on the food chain? That's the question I, I ask. And I just, I, I'm not trying to get out of the cycle of life. I just actively choose to be on the lowest end of the cycle mm. as I can. What's funny, and that's a really great point that I haven't heard someone say before. And my just for fun counterpoint would be mm-hmm. that the plants are also eating the animals. Like when an animal when it decomposes, totally that animal is being eaten by those plants. Yep. So you could make the argument this the other way. Well, you could. the The counter argument that I would make <laughs> to that is that we have a choice. Right. The animals don't have the conscious will, or or they're domesticated anyways. Right. So those cows are being bred for a specific purpose. And to me, energetically, because I know what that purpose is. Well, we're talking about factory farming. Well, I mean, we could talk about ranch farming. Well, ranch farming. farming, all, all the every animal that is being that is being um, prepped and butchered for consumption is is born for that purpose. What about the ideal scenario? In my mind, the yeah. ideal of hunting your own wild. I think I think that would be. I think so. Th- th- this is a great this is a great place to take it because the crux of the issue, I think is that we have become so disconnected from where our food comes from. Mm-hmm. So if you want to take it just from, from that perspective, that's really the crux of the issue. It's not about being vegan or vegetarian. It's actually about can you, are you willing to participate in the full cycle? You, that's, I'm glad that you said that because when we went to Tanzania last year, I had the opportunity to kill a chicken. Mm. Um, and so we were eating an entirely uh, vegan diet, mm. um, the whole house. There were like eight of us staying in, in this house and this local family was preparing all the meals. And because a number of the people there were vegan, there's just just easier to just right. do all vegan, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one day I saw that they'd killed a chicken and I'm like, what's happening? And it was for their meal, like when oh, we were gone. And I was like, I said, can I do, like, can I do the next time you're getting a chicken yeah. to do that? Would you be okay with me killing it? Because I have always said that I, I think that if you're unwilling to kill the animal, you shouldn't be eating the meat. 
they, like from that's my spiritual perspective. Yeah. There's an energetic exchange. Mine that's is happening. very much the same. And if you're mm-hmm. not willing to do it, if you need it to be already dead and cut up and put into plastic wrap or whatever, so yeah. you don't know that that's yeah, a yeah, cow yeah, yeah. That's or right. a living thing that you can look it in the mm-hmm. eyes, then there's something in you that's yeah. saying that that's wrong and yep. you shouldn't eat it. And, yeah, because um, you're ignoring. And that's it. true for me. So that's right. that, and I and I just acknowledge that. It, and so, and I acknowledge that may not be the same for which someone I, else, which I fully respect because yeah. I, I think that that's honoring intuitively. I couldn't do that. And that right. might mean that from your spiritual self or your higher self or your physical, whatever mm-hmm. saying <clears throat> that's not for you. Yeah. And so when I killed this chicken, I did it like I burned Palo Santo. I mm. cried a bunch of tears. Mm. They didn't have, it wasn't like. A, a wonderful like butcher's knife or anything. It was like a dull knife that you had to be really firm with wow. and go through. And like I and I had I held it like in my hands. I held my hand over it and prayed while um, it continued to like shake until it completely stopped. And I just mm. stayed there and cried and then let some Palo Santo. And the thing that was most interesting because I went into it saying I may kill this chicken. And never eat meat again. I'm, I literally may go, that was awful and I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel wrong to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, the opposite thing happened. It, I felt more human mm-hmm. than I feel like I can't explain it. it yeah. What you just said about being a part of the cycle, yeah. I actually felt a part of the cycle of life and death for the first time yeah. in my life. And... I developed this idea, people on the listen to the podcast regularly might have heard this, so I apologize for those of you who know what I'm saying, but um, perhaps, because I couldn't deny that there was still an energetic toll that was paid. Yes. Like it took, it was a heavy yes. weight. Yes. And I started thinking, what if that's the barometer of how much or how little of something we should be eating? Mm-hmm. Is like, if it takes if it takes that kind of toll where I know it would be, it would take me another two weeks, three weeks before I would be ready to do that again, right? right? Th- how hard would it be for me to do that to a goat or a cow or a the pig, higher up you the go, higher up you go, the closer in consciousness that the animals are to us, right? And so I was, I started thinking, okay, because like a fish is easier, yeah. oh yeah, and right? right, and then like plucking an apple even easier, mm-hmm. and then like mm-hmm. killing a, a a cow, and especially the way it's done in Tanzania, where you need like ten people to tip it over and hold it down, and yes, it requires such a, a an energetic exchange that using that as a barometer okay so chicken feels harder for me than fish but not as hard as and then that's how much of something in terms of ratio mm-hmm. that i should be having mm-hmm. how often i should be having it that was kind of this like yeah idea i had for a new way of dieting i think well i think that's part of the alchemical perspective of of nutrition is that it's not just about the physical substance mm-hmm. so the way that an alchemist or even like an herbalist, like a Taoist herbalist or a Vedic herbalist or something, they didn't just look at matter like it was matter. Like if you look at quantum physics, all physical matter like this table, it starts out as like a waveform. And it's an open space of energy and particles, and then those particles arrange themselves together to create form. So things start... I'm not mm -hmm. to interrupt you, but for people who don't know what he's talking about, if you look at crystals, crystals, the form that they take 
you're actually seeing in the crystal. That's why they form that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's that's happening even with like the wood table. Yeah. You just can't see the form of it the same mm-hmm. way that you can in crystals. Yeah, yeah, Continue. exactly. So, and it, it's the same thing. Well, it's the same with everything. So that, that form or that matter started out as an energetic field, so to speak. And so an alchemist would look at whatever they're creating, say they're turning like a dense... Um, like a common metal mm-hmm. like lead or cadmium or, or whatever mercury into a noble metal and so what they would do before their experiments they would in, they would get their intention clear and there to them to the alchemist and their intention was everything and so they would only carry out um, like the pursuit for immortality, like the Philosopher's Stone or something mm-hmm. like that, they would only carry out their pursuit to the point that it benefited humanity, to the point that it crossed the line where it could actually become counterproductive to humanity, like nuclear power, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, then they would have to pull back. Okay. Because their intention was everything to the, to the form. If that makes sense. So there's, I mean, it, it sounds like the meta, like the collective, yeah. like overrides any individual pursuit. Absolutely. Like it has to be a win-win like in business, right? The conscious entrepreneur, mm-hmm. like we can't just cheat people and manipulate people for sales. Like it actually, if you're going to, if like someone's going to hire me as a coach, I'm making a pact with them that I'm going to devote myself to seeing them succeed to the best of both of our capabilities right like now we're we're signing on for a relationship um it's not just like you pay me and then you know Mm -hmm. someone gets to lose you know it's like we 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 are reaching a new um level in our conscious awareness around everything and i think food is so important because it's the thing that we do more than anything we put something in our mouth we distract ourselves we sedate ourselves we medicate ourselves with food more than anything. And there is, like you're speaking about, there's a new way to go about nourishing ourselves. And can the way that we nourish ourselves, so we're like fully vigorous and strong and sustainable, can that way also be the way that that works in alignment with nature and with, with life on this planet? Well, that requires a belief that when everyone is thriving, then you will also be thriving. Mm-hmm. Like there's, when you look at capitalism and that mm-hmm. model of mm-hmm. you have to fail for me to succeed because it's right. percentages and right. there's only a hundred percent. And like, if you have 50, I have 50, but if I have 70, you have 30, like someone has to lose. Right. right? right. As opposed to, it's not a hundred percent. It's, it's like, it's infinite, infinite. Yeah. And so <laughs> you can have as much percentage as you want. And I can have as much percentage as you want. If we find a symbiosis. Exactly. Exactly. There's a symbiotic, just like nature, soil diversity is based on symbiosis. Like nature is based on symbiosis is based, not based on competition, like yeah. Darwinian evolution, it's, it's based on cooperation and adaptability. Oh. So a species that can actually adapt to their circumstances and the change of circumstances are the ones that actually make it through. And we are in a, at a fork in the totally. road yes. for that exact thing. Like 
are we going to adapt? We have proven, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like we talked about with the, the life expectancy of right. the millennials, like we have proven that we are now headed in a direction that is the opposite of the way that we would ideally like to go. So are we going to make the choice to adapt? Right. Are we going to do it? And let's keep those fingers crossed, man. I'm, I'm really grateful for people like you who are mm-hmm. self-publishing books with this information and, and coaching and coming on podcasts to spread the word because mm-hmm. um, it's it, I think for the main thing is information is key yeah. and just helping spread the information gives people choice just this podcast alone mm-hmm. will give people an awareness of some yeah. kind that they didn't previously have and might make the small shifts because even me I'm in process yeah right like yeah. it's not like we're sitting here saying, oh yeah, we got it all figured no, out. Like if everyone was just like us, the world would be perfect. No, totally. like we are trying to figure it out too. Yeah. And we may, we are just taking the steps. Like when we find a new one, like my intermittent fasting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is the liver flush. Yeah. Finding that stuff mm-hmm. out and being like, okay, that's the thing that gets to happen because I'm committed to this bigger vision. Yeah. yeah. And we get to experiment. That's the beauty of this whole kind of conversation is like, it's not about right or wrong or should and should not. It's just about possibilities. Mm. So like to even entertain the idea of a plant-based lifestyle is like, it's just a seed. And then invariantly, even if you or anyone else doesn't go vegetarian or vegan, which I, it doesn't matter to me. I know that you're going to eat more plants, mm-hmm. and I know that natural processes are going to that are going to occur. Where where for me, just you know, my experience was that intuition kicked on one day and took me on this path. It chose me. Something came through and chose me, and I just said yes to it. And that's where I am. I'm still just saying yes to it every step of the way. So last question, man, time just flew yeah. by. We just yeah, like yeah. rapid fired this. Um, last question for you is, do you take any supplements? Yeah. And would you recommend, like, are there some major ones mm-hmm. that you would recommend to people listening? Absolutely. Um, iodine comes up very strongly for me. Iodine is, it's critical for the, for the environmental situation we live in. It's just like drops, drops. Yeah. Iodine. Like little droppers. Like, um, there's a great company called nascent iodine, N A S C E N T. Okay. And, um, and, um, Lugol's iodine, a few others, but those are the main ones. And iodine is critical because we are living in a radioactive age. We, the thing about radiation, you may have heard of like Fukushima. People kind of forgot about it, but that, it's but happening. it's still happening. There's still an uh, ungodly amount of radiation Radio- that's oh pumping goodness. into the ocean out of Japan every day. Tony Robbins, who I, I, I love, and basically if Tony Robbins is doing something, you know that some of the best science and whatever mm-hmm. is happening, like mm-hmm. his cold plunges and, and mm-hmm. stuff, uh, he stopped eating... He didn't eat any land-based protein. He, he had mercury toxicity. Yeah, and so he's, he's completely stopped eating fish. Yeah. Uh, he replaced it with chicken um, because he's like, you have to, he said the exact same thing actually you did, which is we have to adapt. And yeah. I would rather be eating fish. Yeah. But in today's day and age, the fish yeah. are so fucked yeah. that it's If just... you study any type of fish from anywhere, I would challenge, I would challenge any scientist, and I know they've been doing this, you will find three things. You'll find mercury, you'll find radioactive isotopes, and you'll find plastic. 
in every piece of fish that you test. So, and there's some fish that are better than others, ones that live less yeah. time, like smaller yeah. white fish. Yeah, yeah, like wild Alaskan fish. Yeah, wild, um, wild Alaskan salmon is supposed salmon, to still be yeah. good, but like no tunas, yeah. no swordfish. Well, I mean, now it's just like the small, the lower on the food chain because one of the things that happens with big animals or big fish is that they bioaccumulate quicker. So they concentrate more toxins um, than the smaller ones. Plus they're just in the water longer. They yep. live longer. That's they're right. in that environment so much longer. Yeah. Um, and it's so sad, man. Like the ocean is, I mean, the Great Barrier Reef is dead. Mm -hmm. The scientists mm -hmm. literally declared it dead. We have destroyed the ocean. And if we want to see fish at all, like even just the overfishing population, yeah. like one of the big things was maybe I'll just stop doing all the fact farm meat and I'll just keep eating the fish. And then when I looked into the fishing, mm -hmm. it is it's almost, even crazier. It's, it's even crazier. But yeah. because it's happening out in, we don't see it. We, we don't see yeah. it out there. And because fish, it's easier on that energetic toll maybe to, to eat mm -hmm. the fish because it's not a land mammal and we don't relate to it as well. Yeah. Um, we don't think about it, but fish, we may run out of fish. Like legitimately. Absolutely. It's a very, and, and that, and how is that going to affect the, the, the marine biology and all the other, the, all the other life forms that depend on that sort of marine cycle of life. I mean, it's, but hopefully there's bioremediation, um, potential. I believe there is. We're, what's going to happen is we're going to clone a ton of fish. Well, see, that's what they, that's where they want to go with it. Yeah. That, that's what they're going to do. Basically every single thing you see, it's going to be like, Genetically modified this, genetic farmed fish this. They've made meat in a petri dish. They've yeah. made, um, so it's dropped already. It was a half a million dollars for a cheeseburger with the the um, uh -huh. like the the petri dish. So you wonder why I'm grew. a vegetarian? Like and, I'm just going in the other direction. And so then now in the span of like five years since they've done it or whatever, mm -hmm. that's dropped. I think it's like 10,000 now or something like that, but mm -hmm. it'll continue to drop to the point where it's actually affordable. Now, right. here's a question. Would you eat meat that has been grown in a lab? No, because it, because my fundamental belief is that it's unnecessary. Right. It was a survival medium. Like so, it made sense to survive. Right, but it, to me, it doesn't. It doesn't for me, anyways. It doesn't make sense so anymore. That's it's silly question because you don't eat meat at all. Yeah, anyway. right. Yeah, and I'm thinking for myself. <laughs> it's not like I'm gonna go back. I, I like wonder even just from like a nutritional standpoint. Like yeah. there are times like I just did bone broth, right? Mm -hmm. Like I find bone broth to be has sure. helped me tremendously yeah, yeah. with my like what could have been leaky gut and just Absolutely. healing inflammation, right? Um, would would the meat from a lab? have all the is there some sort of well thing it's, it's like it's bad happen? alchemy it's gonna be like monsanto yeah it's it, for sure it absolutely is yeah that's that's the who do you think is going to fund that operation does it's it's not going to have the um the life force let's say no it's not going to have the life force it's not going to have i mean i just equate it to like black magic or bad alchemy it's just like what's the intention behind it mm. you know? well what's funny about that though is the intention from what I've heard is to be from people who want to stop factory farming. They're basically like, we're killing billions of animals every yeah. single year. That needs to stop. And if we can grow that meat and it tastes this, it's literally the same chemical structure. It's the same meat. Yeah. Then, um, no animals have to die. Well, I and think that's that, like, well, I, I get that, but it's operating from the same level of consciousness. 
It's true. The and consciousness like Einstein has says you cannot fix problems. Right. The same like level technology of is neutral, but technology in the wrong hands with the wrong consciousness, an unelevated consciousness, if you will, is destructive. Not mm. to say that that's going to be destructive, but like to me, I'm always looking at like who's who's in charge of these decisions. Like where are they coming from? Well, if they're coming from the place of we want to save animal lives, that's a good place. If they're coming from a place of let's just find let's find a way to make more meat and mm-hmm. add it to yeah. the already thing, or if they're coming from a place of let's try and make meat cheaper than right. it already is with right. factory farming, um, and it's money driven. I think it's, it's I think it's a resistance to the inevitable change that our world is going to evolve into. Well, Melinda believes that breatharianism is the future. Anyway, I know a breatharian. Oh really? Yeah. How long? How long? His name's Genesis Sunfire. He's a friend of mine. Really? And he was. I love that. That's a everyone whole, listening like, is like, okay, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, a dude named Genesis Sunfire. Perfect. Look it up. Look it up. He was on my podcast. We did a two and a half hour. How episode. long has he been a breatharian? Well, tell people what a breatharian. Okay, is. and then I'm gonna get back to iodine because okay. I need to yes, finish that sorry. for everyone. So, so breatharian is essentially somebody that theoretically does not eat food or water. And in Genesis case, he was actually, he was on a 20 year journey. So he'll tell you straight up, like there's no such thing as a breatharian because he's, he's like, you know, just to put it mildly, like he doesn't buy into any dogma. He just like stumbled upon a calling, which basically told him to just eat fruit and nothing but fruit. And he just like went from processed food to fruit and went through like years of detox. And he says it was all on intuition. It was completely on an intuitive calling. He knew nothing about it. And eventually he just went on this journey of minimizing food until like he was just on water. And then eventually he just stopped drinking water and he was a breatharian for four years. So he didn't eat or drink anything but water. For four years. Well, he, yeah, for four years, he was pretty much just, according to him, he was just a breatharian. Now, did he do things like sun gazing, sun like, so he was getting his energy? Um, I, I don't know that he had a particular practice. I know that that's what, that's what traditional kind of people that do that. So for people who are listening, I mean, breatharian, the the traditional idea is that the only reason we're eating food is because we have gotten disassociated from the truth that we are energy and we can therefore mm-hmm. just get energy because we are energy and therefore you can get it from breath. Yeah. You can get it from the sun. Yeah. You can get it from putting your feet into the ground mm-hmm. and the earth. And like you just can take on energy from the world around you. Mm-hmm. And so you don't actually need to go through what is kind of this heavy, dense third dimensional process of eating and like well that's the whole basis of like you know just drinking more liquids Hmm. if you want to just kind of like without going into something that could be a really extreme because that could also be called starvation in genesis case he he didn't try to do this it was a calling for him and he's told me that many people try to do what he does did and hurt themselves because they basically are trying to starve themselves and so I do believe, like on our is nutri- he super thin? No, he's a he's a he's an athlete. He was a pro rugby player. Really? You can look him up on on Facebook. Like he's ripped. Whoa! It's crazy. Whoa! And he's still not eating or drinking. Um, he drinks like a little bit of. He's like he's like a, a he drinks a little bit of fruit juice actually. Funny okay. enough, and eats like I think he has like like a little bit of melon. I think for him, what he said is he just got so tired 
of all the people trying to hold him up on a pedestal and said, screw it, I'm just going to So like, people were like... And he drinks like Shaga tea. That's all he does. People were like following him and like... <clears throat> yeah, they, they like, were like... No, for, it was... Guruing him? They were, yeah, they put him on the guru, guru pedestal and he, he was just like... A ripped dude who's not eating or drinking anything for four years. Yeah. That's one of those things you hear and you just don't believe. You're Nobody like, listening to this is going to be able to even believe it because right. it's so far outside of anything we know is possible that just forget we even said this don't even don't even <laughs> cancel delete. cancel clear delay this didn't happen so iodine yes iodine so iodine is super critical because um it, it just in a just in a nutshell it helps protect us from radioactive forms of iodine which is which is basically like a, similar to chlorine and fluorine those are called halogens on the periodic table of the elements and so those all fit into the same receptor or similar receptor in our thyroid gland and it's also associated with breast cancer um, and a number of things like that so so when you take iodine drops and you place the drops on your thyroid in your neck and you just kind of rub it in or you can do a test you can drop iodine on your wrist and, and rub it in and then if it soaks into your skin and, and basically just disappears into your skin, that means that you're iodine deficient and your body's soaking it up. If it sits there and does nothing, then you're good. Oh. So it basically okay. what it'll do is it'll help block out the radioactive iodine. So it'll you can put it on the thyroid. You can put it on the thyroid. Okay. It'll block out chlorine and fluorine or fluoride. <clears throat> Otherwise, when you're taking a shower, or you're drinking tap water or whatever, that chlorine and fluoride will get into that receptor site if you don't have enough iodine. That's a big thing for me is trying to figure out um, uh, how to change the water like it'll that I'm showering with. That's like something mm-hmm. that's been on my mind. Just a lot get get like a get a good um, uh, water softener water softener for the whole house you mean yeah well it'd be ideal or you can go um there's a great one on omica.com yeah and they have a great they have a great um water filter that has a zeolite cage in it which will basically it'll basically filter out all the all the toxins and is it does that need to be a tradition we have like one of those overhead ones Mm -hmm. where it comes like straight down like like a big thing okay yeah i I mean i'm pretty sure if you just you can just unscrew it and then you attach that, and then and you then attach the head back, back onto on. it. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that. That's mm-hmm. been a big thing for me. Is yeah. just also recognizing being down here. I feel like I noticed just the difference in the air versus like LA. Totally. And just <laughs> like people don't understand, you're breathing in. You may not see it. You may not be aware of it, but you're breathing in toxins, which means your body is fighting off those toxins with every breath that you take. Yes. Um, and yeah, the liver flush was incredibly, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know about the liver flush, I talk about it more on the last musing that I have about commitment. So you can tune into that um, or just Google it. Uh, and, and it's intense, but it made me realize like there's just so much shit in us yes. that we need to get out. Yeah. We, we, we get to clear ourselves out more and more yeah. and more. I, I think it's part of our spiritual evolution. Yeah. To, to really purify our body and to maximize our physical potential as a container or to increase our physical capacity to hold our spiritual purpose. Because if, yeah. if we're physically weak, then we're going to be low energy. We're going to have a bad mood. It's hard to be in an attitude of gratitude when our body is, all, is full of pain. Yeah. I mean, just, it's just a great metaphor. So the better we feel in our body 
the better we're going to feel. And I think the better work we can do on the planet. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for joining me for this. Why don't you um, let people know like when your book's out, mm -hmm. where they can get it, what you're up to, how they can follow you on social media. Cool. Yeah. So I have a current book out. You can find on Amazon, the Holistic Health Mastery Program. I have an upcoming book, uh, the Inner Alchemy Youthening Program, where um, both books cover a lot of this different stuff. So uh, I definitely recommend checking out both. The new one will be out mid-May. And I have a book release event uh, at Eve on May 16th. Eve in Encinitas Even for Encinitas. local listeners. Yep, yeah. yep. at 7 p.m. Um, that's April 15th? That's a uh, May, May 16th. May 16th. May okay. 16th, yeah. April 22nd is, is my one-man show, so if you're here, you should come. Oh, should epic. Come I will be in Nicaragua oh, okay. at that time. Hitting, hitting the road. Man, I would no love worries. that, though. <laughs> yeah, so I, that's going out. Um, I People can check me out on RonnieLandis.net, which is my personal website. That's where they can find my podcast or look it up on iTunes. Um, what else? What else? All kinds of other stuff. YouTube, Facebook, all that stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Ronnie, thank you very much, man. This is officially by far the longest podcast that I've ever done from an interview standpoint mm. because we were just in the flow and yes. I, I could not interrupt in the holy it. flow. So um, thank you very much for, mm. for spreading your knowledge and all the work that you're doing, man, because just based on the amount of information you put into the first book... I can't even imagine how much you've added to have a second. Mm -hmm. Is the second one like that too? It's not. It's it's not as big as that. It's <laughs> a completely different, um, similar but different theme. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I look forward to that. And awesome. everybody listening, thank you for taking this deep dive. Remember that you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved.